The following podcast may not be suitable for all listeners. Listener discretion is advised. As the summer comes near its end and fall is just around the corner, I can't help but reminisce about all the summertime fun I had. I hope you all had fun too. During one fun, warm summer night, a few friends and I sat around a campfire and chatted about old urban legends and stories from our childhood. One particular story made me want to do research on its origins. The story was, Call is Coming from Inside the House. Not only did I discover a movie was made based on the story, but it is actually based on a true story. If you've come this far in the podcast, you know... I'm your host, Anne, and my co-host and producer, Eddie, is out of the country on location for his travel channel, but the show must go on. Don't forget to find him on YouTube at Eddie on the Go. This is Unexplained Realms, the podcast, and in this episode, we will discuss the unsolved murder of Janet Chrisman and the urban legend that surrounds her murder. The urban legend of the babysitter and the man upstairs has been traced as far back as the 1960s. The story always varies depending on who's telling it. And what country you may be in. The story goes loosely something like this. A teenage girl is babysitting a few children at night. The children have been put to bed upstairs and the babysitter is downstairs watching TV. The phone rings, the caller tells her, check the children. The teen dismisses the call as a prank and goes back to watching television. The anonymous caller calls back multiple times and eventually the babysitter calls the police who state they will trace the next call. After the stranger calls again, the police return her call and advise her to leave immediately. She leaves the home and the police meet her outside. They explain that the calls were coming from inside the house and that an unidentified prowler was calling her after he had killed the children upstairs. While that tale is unnerving to anyone, it especially terrified teens who babysat on dark nights when all the adults were away. If you remember this urban legend, it's about to get even more terrifying. You see, it was loosely based on a true life crime, the murder of Janet Christman. Janet was born March 21, 1936, to Charles and Lula May Christman. Janet was the oldest of her two sisters, 
She loved playing the piano, singing in the choir, and was very involved within her church. She was in the eighth grade at Jefferson Junior High. Janet was just a few days from her 14th birthday and very mature. She would often be selected as a babysitter because of her maturity. On March 18, 1950, 13-year-old Janet Chrisman was asked to babysit for Ed and Ann Romack. In Columbia, Missouri, the same town she lived in. Though it was raining and extremely cold out, the couple wanted to enjoy a night out playing cards with some friends. Janet accepted as she was eager to earn some extra money. Janet's father dropped her off at the Romax house around 7.30 p.m. The temperature had dropped well into the 20s. Anne Romack explained that their child was already asleep, so it should be quiet. Due to their home being in a very rural location, Ed Romack showed Janet how to load, unload, and fire his shotgun that he kept near the door. The couple explained that she should not open the door to anyone she did not know and to turn the porch light on so she could be sure to see who was at the door. Anne called home to check in on Janet and her son Gregory around 10 p.m., but there was no answer. Anne assumed Janet had fallen asleep. But the local police department received a call around 10.30 p.m. The call came from a young woman. She was screaming into the phone, particularly screaming for help. Her last words to the police were, Come quick, before the phone line went dead. In the 1950s, technology was not advanced, and police departments did not have the capability of tracking phone calls or their locations. The police department could only hope and wait for the young woman to call again. The Romax returned home around 1 a.m., They noticed the porch light was on and they had left it off, instructing Janet to only turn it on if someone knocked on the door. They also noticed a sawhorse right outside one of the windows. Once at the front door, they realized the door was unlocked. Once inside, they found Janet's lifeless body. She was laying in her own blood with a severe head injury and puncture wounds on her face. Her legs had been spread apart and skirt pulled up. 
There were scratches on her face and arms, and the cord from an electric iron was wrapped around her neck. Just a few feet from her body was the phone. It was off the hook and lying on the floor. This must have occurred while she called the police. Anne Romack checked on her son, who was safe, and Ed called the police. But because the Romack's home was outside of the Columbia Police Department's jurisdiction, the Boone County Sheriff was also brought in. These two departments refused to work together on this investigation. The scene of the crime was horrific. It appeared Janet had fought for her life and had several defensive wounds. Blood was smeared throughout the kitchen and living room. Dogs were brought in to track any scent and fingerprints were taken. Once the autopsy had been performed, it was determined that Janet had been strangled and sexually assaulted. During the investigation, one law enforcement agency found a side window had been broken out with a garden hoe, and the sawhorse was sitting just outside this window. Though the Romag family stated that the garden hoe was kept inside the home, so the perpetrator couldn't have used it to break the window. The other agency believed that Janet must have known the perpetrator as the porch light was on and door was unlocked. And the shotgun next to the front door was untouched. With no suspects and weeks of questioning, family and friends, authorities had no way of knowing who murdered Janet. Though some believed it was connected to a murder that had occurred in a similar fashion four years prior. Mary Lou Jenkins was murdered in her own home in 1946, which was a mile from where Janet was murdered. Mary Lou was 20 years old and was killed in a very similar manner. She was raped and strangled with an extension cord. She also was found in her own blood. Anxious to solve this case or blame someone, police believed Floyd Cochran was the suspect. Because he had shot his wife in the shoulder and neck with a 12-gauge shotgun and then attempted suicide but was not successful. Police interrogated Floyd for two whole days without a lawyer. Floyd was a black man, and word had traveled fast that he was Mary Lou's murderer. Angry mobs formed outside the police station ready to lynch Floyd. 
a black man who killed a white girl. Though the only connection he had to Mary Lou was that he was the garbage man that serviced her neighborhood. Lloyd confessed, but later recanted his confession and stated he was scared of the mobs and police. It's important to note that Floyd had significant mental challenges, so severe that he was rejected from the draft in World War II. Floyd was put on trial for the murder of his wife and also stood trial for the murder of Mary Lou. He was put to death on September 26, 1947. There were others that were listed as possible suspects, but only one really stood out to me. Robert Mueller. He had been friends with Ed Romack since high school. In 1950, Robert lived in Columbia with his wife and worked as a tailor. He was 27 years old and had Janet babysit for him a few different times. Though the real connection here is that Robert also knew Mary Lou Jenkins from high school. Anne Romack stated that Robert often made sexual comments about Janet's body and told Ed Romack that he had fantasies of defiling young virgins. The day before Janet's murder, Robert assisted Anne Romack in hemming a dress as he was her tailor. He assisted her in her sewing room where her iron was kept. Anne remembered that Robert had actually tried to grope her breast that day and she was extremely uncomfortable. Remember, Janet was strangled with the cord of that same iron. A stranger may not have known exactly where that iron was kept to be able to retrieve it and use the cord. It's also noted that Robert carried a mechanical pencil in the front pocket of his jacket as he used it often as a tailor. This might explain the strange puncture wounds Janet had. The morning Janet was murdered, Robert had called Janet and asked her to babysit for him, but she was already committed to the Romack family. She told him they were going to a friend's to play guards. Robert also attended the card game, but left around 10 p.m. for about an hour. 
He stated he needed to tend to his sick child at home, but detectives determined he had never gone home to his wife and child during that time. The morning after Janet's murder, Robert called Ed and asked if he needed help cleaning up the crime scene. This was odd as the news of the horrific scene had not been disclosed to the public yet. Based on some of this, police used circumstantial evidence as a way of questioning Robert Mueller. A warrant was never obtained, but questioned him overnight without a lawyer. Robert passed a lie detector test, and even though the mechanical pencil he had was consistent with the wounds on Janet's body, a grand jury felt there just wasn't enough evidence to convict him. Robert Mueller went on to sue for defamation and violation of his civil rights, asking for more than $300,000. He lost the lawsuit. Robert was never charged with Janet's murder, and authorities refused to believe they convicted the wrong man in the murder of Mary Lou Jenkins. So for now, I suppose we leave this to the realms of the unexplained. While this was a horrible true story, it did inspire a few movies. The first, um, the 1979 film, When a Stranger Calls, was directed by Fred Walton and starred Carol Kane and Charles Durning. Excellent film, especially if you're into horror. Um, then there was the 2006 remake. Um, you can find both on YouTube. I don't know. What do you think? Do you think Robert Mueller committed both crimes? I don't know, maybe leave your thoughts and comments on our website or one of our social media accounts. Don't forget to check out Eddie on the Go on YouTube. And you can find the both of us over at Lost Common Sense, the podcast. If you're new, you can visit us at unexplainedrealms.com, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, and TikTok. And don't forget to smash those like, subscribe, and follow buttons. And don't forget to hit the show notifications button on Spotify so you can get reminders when we drop a new episode. Don't forget to click on our sponsors' links when visiting unexplainedrealms.com with a variety of brands and products to choose from and the most exclusive deals just for you. This podcast is supported by E-Media Studios.